Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Who is ready for a a word that's going to change you, challenge you, mobilize you, activate you? I'm glad a couple of people are excited. Is anybody ready to get activated by the word of God this morning? Today is the end of summer, and some of y'all already went back to school, and some of you getting ready to go back to school. So it's the end of summer, so today is officially the last message in our summer theme, Heart for the House. How many of you have been enjoying Heart for the House, right? We've been talking all summer long about what is God's heart for this house and what is our heart for, for, for this church, right? And um, we've had some really good and challenging words over the past two months, and today, because we are... Ending this, I heard this word that was shared with me, and it really moved my heart. And because we're getting ready also to go back, uh, a lot of college students are, you guys will start noticing over the next few weeks, a lot of college students will start trickling in. So today, we're going to hear from our college pastor a really encouraging and challenging word. Are you ready to receive it? Come on, RJ. Come on, give us the word this morning. Okay. Hello. Don't mind me. Man, last time I I spoke in front of you guys was about six weeks before our little girl was born. And now, start. I guess it was Wednesday, she just turned six weeks. So it's like perfect. And I'm just so excited. It's just been so much fun. And so we got a lot of babies coming up too. So just be prepared. Cuteness overload, I I promise you that. But I'm so excited about August because when I think of August, I think of campus starting. I think of students coming back. I get so hyped because I just love college students. And I love that there's a new year for college students and a new flock of students, a lot of fresh meat, I mean fresh men, coming into this this campus so we could go and grab a hold of them and have them be touched by God. And so, as you know, Becca and I love college ministry, and that's what we do. We're the college pastors. And the reason why I love college so much is because it was the best time of my life. And no, I'm not talking about going all party and crazy and stuff like that. God actually touched my life before college that I was able to be used by God in a radical way in my college campus. And that's why I love the college ministry. That's when God God really taught me how to be a true radical disciple of Jesus. And so my desire, our desire, is to help these college students truly get touched by God the same way we did to change this generation and to see them become stewards for his kingdom kingdom. And so that's what we're believing. And I love walking through life with these students because that moment where they just get that aha moment of this is why I was born. This is why I was created. I have a purpose in this generation and I want to be used by God. That moment, that feeling is like the best feeling I could ever have. Just experiencing that and just seeing them, their, their face light up. It's like, wow, I could be used by God. I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to be like older, I could be used right now. And so don't you guys agree that you could be used by God in any season of your life? And if you're not being used by God now, start today. God could use you today. And in 
you know, when I was in college, it was that also that time where I was trying to find my purpose. You know, we're all looking for these things like, what's, my, what's the meaning of life? Why do I exist? All of those things. I don't know about you if you've ever asked yourself that. Why am I here on earth? Why do I have, why, why am I, what am I called to do? What's my purpose? Uh, sometimes finding your purpose gets kind of complicated, right? It gets kind of confusing too, let's just be honest. It's, sometimes it's hard to try to discover something When you don't really hear the audible voice of God, you know, sometimes you can hear it, but most of the time, God doesn't just come up to you and say, you're supposed to be a pastor. You know, he's not, he doesn't necessarily say that, but he can speak to your spirit. He can speak to you through your, through the word of God, and he can speak to you through other people. But like I said, it could get kind of confusing. It could get kind of discouraging when you're like, why do I even exist? You know? And so... I know when I was in college, I went through that, that and just thinking about that. And many times when, when I was younger, I would hear a lot about the word being anointed by God, right? We, a lot of us here hear that. It's like, you, you want the anointing. You are anointed to do this. You need the anointing, 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 anointing. And that's, all, that's a lot of the things that I hear. And sometimes that's all we hear and learn about is the anointing, which, by the way, is very important, right? But... We need to, you know, we need to understand what that really means, what, what anointing means. Because when you hear that, doesn't it sound super empowering and it sounds fulfilling and it sounds like, yes, I have a purpose because I have the anointing because they're saying to go after the anointing. And we all have something that God has, is calling us to do. But here's the thing about our calling or our purpose, okay? Maybe this will help you really understand what it means to have a revelation about your purpose. We don't just find our purpose. We receive it. And when you receive something, it's because it's been given to you. And sometimes we we are going around in this world looking for a purpose, looking for our, our, our calling, but we're not supposed to look for our calling. We're supposed to receive it from God because he's a God who gives good gifts to us and he's not going to leave you hanging. But I want you to change the way you think about purpose. It's not about you need to discover what you're supposed to do. Let God show you. Let God be the one that dictates what you're supposed to do in your life. And, and, and yeah, so what that's really called, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but this is what you called being appointed by God. We hear a lot about the anointing, but we don't hear a lot about the appointing of God. You know, what it means to be appointed by God in our life. But let's really figure out what that means, what it means to be appointed by the Father. And the best person to learn from in this case is David. You know David, right? Most popular guy, best songwriter, Songs hit the billboards number one many times. You know what I mean? That kind of David. Let's learn from him. I want us to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We got a lot to read here, so I'm just going to kind of zip right on through, but I want you to receive everything. That's my child. It's weird how you could really hear the distinction of your child's cry. I understand now. Okay. 1 Samuel 16. Verse 1 through 13, okay? Y'all ready? Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. 
You all know who Saul is, right? Saul's the crazy guy that we do not want to be like, okay? Just to let you know. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you. I always read that. It's like, okay, God, take a heifer with you. That's your, that's your response? Okay. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel uh, performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice, I mean, to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And I'm assuming this guy looked pretty big, pretty good looking, and looked qualified to be used by God, right? But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that great? In a world that people just judge us all the time, or we could be the ones judging other people. That doesn't stop God from looking at our heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse uh, summoned Shimei, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest. Just imagine Jesse saying that. This is the youngest there, he replied. But he's out in the field watching the sheep and goat. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he uh, arrives. Verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark, handsome, with beautiful eyes. (laughs) And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil Okay, the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Obviously, the flask of oil, olive oil represents the anointing. That's important as well. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Let me first say this. You are appointed. Can you say that? I am appointed. I want you to realize you really are appointed. Okay? Anyone here uh, seen the help before? Yeah? I feel like God's saying, you is called, you is equipped, you is appointed, okay? God is speaking that to you today, and I want you guys to embrace that and realize there is an appointing in my life, but we're going to figure out really the importance and how to discover that. 
So we're going to jump right into the bulletin. We're going to go straight to point number one. If you want to make it to heaven, just write some notes today. Circle in as much as you can. I'm just kidding. Uh, But number one, I can't be anointed for that which I am not first appointed. Many of us hear words about go after the anointing, go after the power, go after this, go after that, just to fulfill these things. But the anointing never comes unless you are appointed by God. And if you want to see yourself used, you need to wait for the appointment from God first before going for the anointing. Because I'll tell you, save you the trouble, you ain't going to be anointed if you ain't appointed. Okay? It just doesn't work that way. First, I want you to understand why we receive the anointing, okay? Anointing is the power to do something for God. The anointing is not just for nothing. It's not just a, I want to feel those shakes, you know? That's not the anointing. The anointing is the thing that gives you power from God to do something for God. And to be appointed means to be assigned Assigned to or chosen for a job or a role, okay? Does that make sense? The anointing is the power. The appointing is the job. So if God hasn't appointed me for something, for example, like the brothers of David, they were not appointed to be king. I for sure won't receive the anointing, the flask that Samuel had to pour over the one God has chosen, right? I won't receive that anointing in my life. Eliab, Shimei, Tabalaba, whatever their names are, you know, they did not receive the anointing. Who did? David. Samuel could have been like, okay, this one's the one, uh, you know, but God's like, no! He had to wait for the one that God has chosen. That is being appointed by God. Okay? So he, these guys could not be anointed by God until God told Samuel, this is the one. So do you see the picture? You will not receive the anointing until God has appointed you to do that thing in your life. Okay? And some of us, and I've been there, are striving to be anointed. But God needs to appoint you first. The anointing is to accomplish the appointing. The anointing is not just there. It has a purpose. Let me tell you, God, like, cut me deep with this. When we go after the anointing for something God has not appointed us to do, you know what that's called? Selfish ambition. I know. When God, when we go after the anointing for something God has not appointed us to do, that's called selfish ambition. And I don't want to be selfish, Lord. You know, I don't want my own ambitions in life. I want God's. I want God's appointment in my life. And I'm not saying dreams and desires are bad. No, 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 no. Don't twist my words today, please. Because dreams, you need to dream big. You need to dream not just big, but 
big God dreams, okay? You need to dream and have these desires to be used by God. They're not bad, but it does when we focus on the desires and the dreams in our life. Like, I want to be a pastor. I want to be up here one day. I want to be the greatest worship leader. I want to go into this nation and reach the lost and blah, blah, blah. When we go after a dream and a desire and not go after the one who should give that to us, what it does is it limits our effectiveness to the kingdom of God. You know, it limits us when that's all we strive for. I strive for a purpose. I strive to be this. I strive to be that. I want to be blah, 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 blah. But God hasn't appointed you. It's going to be the most stressful time of your life. I've been there. I bet David had dreams and desires. He was serving God already. You know, he probably was like, okay, first I'm going to, you know, get double the amount of sheep that I have. I'm probably going to get the family business from my dad. Going to make it way better. Going to continue to serve God. All that fun stuff. You know, I bet, okay, that's not proven in the Bible, but, you know, when, when, when you're, th- I'm sure he had dreams for God because we all have, or I encourage you guys, have dreams for God. Some of us do. If you don't, you can start dreaming for God to be used by him. But David, the thing is, his dreams and desires were limited because of where he was and because our minds are limited and God's is infinite, okay? But he came, here's the thing. David came from a small family, right? He just specifically said, okay, let's just go to Jesse. Jesse is some random shepherd, you know, in Bethlehem, and he, he has, you know, let's just go to him, and he has these eight sons, and all they do is own, um, you know, a flock, and they take care of them, and so that was their job, and so his, I, I bet, uh, the, 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 he, because he came from a small family, he never considered being king. Why in his mind would he think, well, I'm sure my calling is to be king. First of all, it's out of order because he has no relation to Saul. You know, he has no relation to the king. And it's supposed to be passed down, right? Who was supposed to be king? Jonathan. When we focus on trying to find our purpose and fulfill a calling, we limit ourselves, and we could miss God's point. We can miss what God really is saying to do because I'm striving for something I want. That's what selfish ambition is. This thing, this um, next line spoke to me last year and it just kind of stuck with my spirit. But sometimes you have to give up godly things in order to discover God's thing for your life. Okay? Just because it's godly doesn't mean it's God's thing for you. And many of us Christians in this generation, millennials, Gen Z, you know, we want to feel, and I can say this because I am 100% millennial, okay? We want that feeling of accomplishment, of being used, of having a purpose. And we will do whatever it takes to strive to something that makes us feel good. I've done that, and I constantly have to die to that. Like, what does this make benefit me? How does this make me feel? Which, in reality, I shouldn't think that way. Just because it's godly doesn't mean you're, 
that's God's thing for your life. Here's a question I, I want you guys to ask yourself. Are my dreams and desires God's thing or just a godly thing? Can you be confident and say, yes, God has appointed me. I'm not here to discourage anyone, but I want you to not go down the wrong path and you're missing a whole course that has way more fulfillment because you're following the path of God in your life. I don't want you to miss an opportunity to stop and realize, is this just something that is deemed as godly in this generation because it's worship, because it's preaching the Bible? Or what if God wants me to do something so out of my mindset that I don't even know how to think about that yet, you know? I don't want you guys to miss that. Lay your selfish ambition down. Do you know, you want to learn how to kill selfish ambition? Let's turn to Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. Give up your own way. And I believe that God is speaking about the desires of our heart and the purpose that we think is really from God, but maybe is not, you know? Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Let's just say the old ways. Let's just... All, let's say the old ways, all of our ways, is the way we think, how God thinks, and how God appoints us, and what we're supposed to do from God. Are you willing to lay that down, even for a moment? Or are you afraid that if I lay that down, I'm not going to feel like I'm accomplishing something, and I don't have a purpose? And if you feel that way, your heart is in the wrong place. Because when God takes away something, my identity is not found in what I do but my identity is found in who he is. If God took away my voice for singing, and that is detrimental to me, you know, if I did that, am I going to stand here and be like, I still find identity in you? Because if I'm discouraged, I fall away, I get depressed, I do all these things, and I stop following God, my heart, my, my, my identity was never in Jesus. It was all in what I did for him. Remember what it says in the Bible. He's, you're going to come up to me and he's going to be like, I never knew you. God, I want you to know me. Right? So let's lay all our old way of thinking down. And let God be the one who appoints us today. Let him appoint you. Don't appoint yourself. Don't be self-appointed, be God-appointed, okay? Don't be self-appointed, be God-appointed, and be honest with yourself, because we look out in the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. The only one you're fooling is everybody else but God. He's one person that ain't a fool, okay? But how do I know God appointed me? How do I get appointed by God? This is a question I'm pretty sure a lot of you are asking. Let me tell you, I don't know what your, appoint, your personal appointing is, but I want to tell you something that changed the way I thought. But just to help you understand this more clearly, the anointing, just to, to give an imagery, like in, 
just for imagery sake to help you see anointing, appointing, and what's the next thing. So just to help you understand, the anointing is the gas and the fuel, okay, for your vehicle, for whatever. The appointing is the car itself. But none of that matters if you don't have the key, okay? You may be appointed, you may have the anointing, but if you don't have the key, you ain't moving anywhere. You're walking, you know? You're walking everywhere, and you know how hard that is in this weather. Okay. Point number two. Are we kind of all following? Yeah, okay. To be appointed, I must be someone focused on going after God's heart. Ta-da, that's the key. That's the key to get you in the car, and that's the key to start the ignition, to go. The key is God's heart. Anyone here seen Captain Planet? The show, Captain Planet, he's a hero, gonna take pollution down to the row. Yeah. Earth, fire, wind, water, hot, go planet. I love, I love Captain Planet, okay? All the powers and wanting any of the powers, earth, fire, wind, water, but I don't want hearts. Wow, that's like the lamest power in the show. So I thought. You know, if y'all seen the show, this kid from Brazil has the heart ring. And he always was the one in trouble. <laughs> he was the one that couldn't really do much. But I always thought that was the lamest power. But in reality... That was the most powerful ring in the show. And the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom of God, that's the most powerful thing as well. God's heart, not just our heart. Remember it says our hearts are sinful, you know, if you follow your heart. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about God's heart. God's heart is the heart to follow. David... Let's go back to David. David did not go after a position or a dream or a purpose. He went after God's heart, and it said so in the Bible. I want to read. That was in chapter 16, okay? We're going to go backwards to chapter 13. This blew my mind. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. I don't know if you guys caught that. He already appointed this mystery man in chapter 13, but we find out who he is in chapter 16 if you keep reading the Bible, you know. He already appointed him. Isn't that like, whoa. He was appointed, and let me tell you, David didn't know he was appointed until chapter 16, okay? But he was already appointed. Ah, it's like mind-boggling. 
But it says, sought, he, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. David didn't apply for a position for king. You know, it's like, oh, I'm on Indeed. And it's like, oh, position for king. Got that. God was looking for someone. He, he, he didn't apply for that position. That's not how, what got him. God was looking for someone with the right. And just watch me. I'm doing quotations, qualifications, okay? Qualifications, just in case y'all didn't see that which is the pursuit of his heart. The qualification to be appointed by God is the pursuit of his heart. Did you know that God doesn't just watch you just because he doesn't want you to do anything bad or to sin? He's not just like, don't do it. Don't you dare do that. Oh, he did it again. Shame. You know, God doesn't do that. He's not watching us to, to watch what we're doing bad. Okay? God looks for people who are after his heart. He is watching because he is looking for people who are after his heart. That's how you get appointed. Acts 13.22. This is also good. 13.22, Acts. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said... I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He didn't just stumble up across this random dude from this random family. He found. God is not, doesn't stumble across someone that he could use, you know. He's looking for people who are, remember, qualified because of the pursuit of Jesus' heart. It's always awkward drinking water in front of you guys. You have a straw? Just kidding. It also says that David was already appointed by God, right? But why? Let's read the first thing that was mentioned about David. And I was looking. I was like, okay, David wasn't mentioned in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. There he is, you know. But there's one thing. If we refer back to 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, I don't know if we want to jump right back into there. Then Samuel asks, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest. This is the first time David was ever mentioned. Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. The one thing that was worth mentioning in the Bible about someone that was already appointed by God before he even knew it, before he was anointed, the one thing that, he was, that was mentioned about him was that he was taking care of sheep and, and goats. Taking care. The only thing I could think of what David was doing at the time of chapter 13, that Samuel was talking to Saul and telling him, you know, God has appointed someone else. The only thing I could really think of, according to the word of God, was that he was taking care of that flock. Right. That that was what he was doing. He wasn't just doing it in chapter 16. That was his life calling, supposedly, in his life. You know, that was, he was supposed to take care of these sheep. And that's what he was doing. And that's why it was the first thing mentioned about David. If you want to be appointed by God... The magnet for his focus on your life 
It's going after his heart. Which, going after his heart means taking care of the flock. Taking care. Care is a, it's an ongoing verb. It's, it's an action that's not just a one-time thing that bought the flock. You know, he didn't say it means buying the flock. No, taking care of business, you know. Taking care of the flock. Taking care means when you are caring for people, you know, when I'm caring for little Taya, I'm not just like, you know, we, we didn't just go to the hospital and uh, out she goes and I'm like, hey, bye, you know, you're born so I'm leaving, you know. It's, no, if I want to be a good father, if I want to be someone that takes care of this baby, you're mine forever. You're mine as in like, I'm going to take care of you. I have what you need and I'm going to care and watch over you. That's what it means to care for the flock. Not just to, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, never see you again kind of thing. No, you care about them. You're like, how are you a week later or two days later? I haven't seen you yet. Are you doing good? Let's grab coffee. You know, let's do this. Or, or not just like, I met you at the park and good riddance, bye. You know, I don't know you. No, follow up with them. Care for them. That's what it means to care for the, the, the flock. If David just looked at the flock and didn't care for them, they, they wouldn't have good business at all, you know. They wouldn't be making a living. Well, David wasn't the only one. Just to give you a few examples, Genesis 37 2, we don't have that, but Joseph also, before he stepped into his purpose, took care of the flock. Exodus 3 1, before Moses stepped into his purpose, he was tending the flock. It's an ongoing pattern when it comes to the Bible. And I think that's something to stop and think about. You know? Dang, Lord, why are you saying all these things about the flock? Why is this significant? What does that pertain, uh, pertain to me in my life? Well, let me tell you, it means going after my heart. That's what it looks like. If you wonder what it means to go after the heart of God, that's what it is. Okay? 2 Peter 3.9 says this. And this is God's heart, okay? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He but wants everyone to repent. If you think, you know, and this is a thing, okay, that if you think it's predestination and God already chooses people who to be saved, let that scripture speak to you. But it's in his heart's desire to see everybody repent. But what he does choose are people who to use to see that happen because we are qualified by going after the heart of God. When I was in college, I had, like I was talking earlier, that aha moment in my life. You know, the moment that my purpose is to preach the good news to my lost campus. When I was a freshman, I was there, and God re- revealed to me that, I, that that's what, like I really did find that. I found that aha moments like, I'm not here just to be a worship leader. I'm not just here to go to church. I'm here to see this campus saved. I'm here to tell my friends, I have something. I have something that you may not have. And if I don't give it to you, there might be a chance you don't get it. I remember my druggy roommate, Ricardo. I prayed for him before uh, before I moved into the dorm. 
And I'm like, God, show me what to do. I brought him to church. My friend Crystal from biology class, I didn't even think about talking to her, but we were paired up for a project, and I just started talking to her, and she seemed so depressed, and I invited her to church. She came, she went to the encounter, and she's still following God. And then her friend Sharice, I, I, I ministered to her too, and I invited her, and I told her, come. Come to our, our, our MYM group, which is our youth group. You know, come. And, and she got touched. She went to the encounter. And, that's, and, and I just realized, like, how powerful it is to do that. And I remember there was one guy that was in my dorm. His name was Scott, and I was reaching out to him. And I, was, I had so much compassion for him because he was always alone. He was always reading alone. He didn't have any friends. And I'm like, my purpose, my goal is I want to bring you to church. I want you to come and encounter God the way I have encountered him. So I kept reaching out to him. I kept reaching out to him. And then he started to open up and he started to become my friend. Little did I know that in the beginning of October, we'd be in my dorm room, him trying to murder me. But let me tell you, it's not to, be, not to discourage you. This guy had a mallet and hit me over the head and blood went everywhere. And in my head, I mean, it, that could have been the last day you've ever heard of RJ. But God helped me get out of there. But in my mind, I just want to tell you, in my mind, I wasn't just thinking about surviving. I literally remember this was the moment I had the aha moment in my life. I, when I was running out of that room, blood gushing everywhere, I was just like in my head, this cannot be my last day. This campus needs to know God and I have him inside of me and I want to give it. This cannot be my last day. And when you have that mentality, when you have that heart for God's people to see them, that you hold the key of salvation for them, your perspective about life will change. It's no longer about you. It's all about the lost. It's all about God's heart. I'm healed from that situation, by the way. <laughs> Praise God, you know. Woo. No, but that leads us to point number three. God has appointed me to go and produce lasting fruit. I'm not just saying me as an RJ. I want you to say this to yourself. Why don't you say it with me? Number three. God has appointed me to go and produce lasting fruit. Take hold of that calling. That's the number one thing that you are called to do. Did you know another word for appoint is commission? To, uh, the appointment is, to, is the commission, the great commission, Matthew 28. Isn't that funny how the great commission, the great appointment from God is to go and make disciples of all nations. It's not go and be the best preacher you could be. Go and get married and have kids. Go and be the best worship leader you can. Find your purpose. Find your place. Do what you can for your sake. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, go and make disciples. That is the Great Commission. That is the appointment in your life. The number one thing I am appointed to do is to not be a preacher is not to be someone in full-time ministry, not to be a worship leader, or to be on this pulpit. It is not to fulfill a position or role from God. 
but it's to lead people to the Father's heart. John 15, verse 11 and 17. There we go again. Awkwardly drinking in front of you guys. Water. John 15, 11 through 17. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Disciples of Jesus are the lasting fruit. Yeah. Pastor Hunter spoke about this a couple weeks ago about lasting fruit. It's not just how we could grow. That's not what God's saying. Lasting fruit are the disciples of Jesus. Right. You know why? Because they become part of the vine. Right. And that yeah. vine extends and starts reaching other people to extend more and to extend more. That's what producing lasting fruit is all about. Also, nothing brings more joy to God than for a lost sinner to repent and turn to him. Luke 15, we're going to read verse 7, verse 10, and verse 32. Verse 7 says, In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Verse 10, in, that, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Verse 32, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found the thing that brings great joy to God is the fact that a sinner turns to him. Yes. Someone lost is now found. Yes. God's like, woo, this is the kind of party I want. This is the kind of celebration I want. If I am after the heart of God, the supernatural result will be love for others. It's not finding your purpose. It's love for others. When you go after the heart of God, it's love, supernatural result, love, supernatural. Because if you don't go after God's love, we naturally cannot produce love. So don't think you'll be able to change lives without the pursuit of God's heart. Because you need his love to give you love for the unloved. Okay? And this also brings you great joy. John 15, 11, that's what it says there. 
we have that. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Don't you just love being joyful? It's a joyous thing. Joy. Joy, you know? Okay, how about you say joy with me? Joy. You can't help but smile at the end. Joy, you know? The why, joy. It's a natural thing when you start having joy. You just start having joy from God, you know? Joy. You get joy from being used by God by reaching the lost. Let me tell you. At first, I thought I wouldn't be the happiest in my life until I was in full-time ministry. My goal in college was to, I must be hired at church. (laughs) My life is not fulfilled until I am full-time ministry. College came, I graduated, I got hired, then I got, well, I didn't get fired, I quit, you know, moved here. Four years later, I'm still in the apartment industry doing my job. I'm like, well, God, I don't think this is full-time ministry. What in the world? You know, I thought my desire was to be used by you in church, for church. And then the happy day came (laughs) when I decided it's time to step into full-time ministry. Goodbye, secular world of work. Hello, holiness of God's church. You know, I step in there and, and, and we make that decision to it's time to be full time. Here I am and I'm not the happiest person in the world because of it. It is way harder than that. My life was not fulfilled by being in full time ministry. And let me tell you, it still won't be fulfilled just by being in full time ministry. But let me tell you, I find fulfillment and joy in God when I go after his people. And as the college pastor, I'm not happy just being called the college pastor. I don't even want to introduce myself as college pastor to these college kids. I just want to be like, yo, I'm not as young as you think I am, but I could relate to you. I want to be your friend kind of thing, you know. But the greatest joy I find is reaching out to these lost, the lost people. And I just want to share with you some things that really changed my life when it came to reaching these people. And if uh, Caleb and Jordan, if you want to get ready just to get us some good ambiance in this place, you know. (laughs) It's hot in here. Lord. Is it the heater or is it the hell? You know, I'm just kidding. It's not that hot. It's the sun. And like I said, I just want to remind you, I did not have... We'll do D flat. Sorry. (laughs) Should have been more specific. My bad. Okay. When I was... When I found out that I didn't have the greatest joy when being in full-time ministry, doing what I do, this is not why I find joy. But I found a lot of great joy even when I was working in the apartment industry because my heart wasn't necessarily to strive to become full-time, although I had to die to that a lot. But my heart was, I want to see lost people come to know God. 
That's why I even moved here, you know? My goal was to help people truly encounter God. I wanna tell you two stories, quick stories, okay? Two hours later, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Quick stories about two people that really impacted my life because of how apparently I impacted theirs. I was, and I think about it because it's just, it touches my heart in in a way that only God could touch my heart. And that's called compassion. Compassion is what moves you to action, okay? And when you have God's heart, you have that compassion. But when I lived in the apartments, when I was roommates with Aaron and um, Alex, and we were living at the heights of Kennesaw, I was, I, I, go, I went to the gym late, so I would go, and there's like, I would go late because no one else was there, and I liked my own privacy. Um, but then when I went there, this other guy was there, and he was just working out, and he said hey to me, I'm like, oh, hi. I started doing my thing, and he started talking to me, and the first thing that he said was, <laughs> do you smoke weed? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, okay, okay. So I started doing my thing, and then he left, but then God spoke to me. Don't let that scare you off from changing his life. I have a plan for him, and I want to use you to rescue him. I'm like, okay, God. I don't even know what apartment he lives in or whatever. Next day, I went to the gym again. And it was during the day, and there was like a pool party from the apartment. And then I saw this guy that looked very familiar, and it was actually James. That's his name. I'm not sure if I said it, but his name is James. And he saw me in the window because there's like windows in the, uh, the workout room. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey. And he came in with a plate of chicken because he was grilling. He's like, you want some chicken? I'm like, well, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm working out. I can't just eat while I'm working out he's like okay and then he's like okay I'll I'll see you later and then God said wait tell him you're gonna go to his house and eat that chicken after you're done I'm like do you live here because I could go to your place after you're done and after I'm done here and I could eat he's like yeah I live in this apartment I work here he's the groundskeeper he's like 20 years old and I was like 25 years old So I went to his house and we ate chicken. (laughs) It was good. We ate chicken and that's what, from there, it just went on from building a relationship with this guy. And he was very open to a friendship because he was so alone, he's from New York. And he came here, he moved because his dad died from cancer and he was so depressed and he had no idea why in the world his dad would die. Why would God do such a thing? He would ask me that a lot and I'm like I don't know how to answer that but God loves you I love you man I want to get to know you more so we would hang out I remember I bought him a Bible we would go to Starbucks I would ask him hey what's God speaking to you he's like I don't know but then I would open the door and just like hey this is, God says this let's go to this scripture then one time I he finally said yes to going to church he went to a Wednesday prayer and I remember that the time I was praying for him and Pastor Hunter came and prayed for him too. 
and then when we were praying for him he just started crying and shaking and I remember he said okay can you guys stop and he left outside so I went to him and I asked him what's going on are you okay he's like I don't know what that feeling was I'm not sure if I liked it but it felt different and I felt something and I'm like dude that's God God just touched your heart and from then on we just started hanging out and becoming friends he would come over I would make dinner for him try to bring him to church unfortunately he had to move move back to New York and I cried the day he moved because I had so much compassion and I wanted to see God touch him so hard and I'm believing that when I go to heaven that he'll be there and he'll say thank you for answering the call of being the appointment of God and I'm believing for that and I just want you to know that there could be moments like that in your life that take you out of the picture from then on God showed me that it's no longer about me it was never about me it was all about him and his lost sheep and you are the answer to that and sometimes I'll tell you it's very inconvenient at times but I find great joy more than annoyance of the inconvenience because they come to know Jesus he's one of many that I've seen that I've helped and I don't take any credit you know it's the fact that I said yes that okay I'm laying all selfish ambition down Lord and I just want to tell this to you guys I'm not telling you I'm not discouraging you from your purpose or what you're striving for sometimes we could think that our leaders our pastors the authority in our life etc are the ones who limit us from being used by God and fulfilling our purpose when I was working on this I just wanted to say this because I want to I want you to be set free from this okay but that's pretty silly to think because that is so unbiblical okay that's just flesh that's just the feeling of being you know I don't know it could be pride it could be insecurity it could be anything but let me tell you Isaiah 14 27 says this the Lord of heaven's armies has spoken who can change his plans when his hand is raised who can stop him people cannot thwart God's plan for your life so when you think and blame other people for why you're not going into the appointment that God has called you, you need to stop and think that that is the devil. And God's word says, if I said it, it shall be done. If God has appointed you, it shall be done. Maybe you're in David's point, uh, area of chapter 13 where you may have been appointed, but you don't know what you're appointed for. You haven't received the anointing. That's a great place to be because I would rather wait upon the Lord than take a step in my own direction because Saul let me tell you the reason why Saul got knocked out of the of the, the status of king 
was because he had to, he was doing something Samuel told him to wait for him until uh, until he got there to give the offering but he's like I'll take matters in my own hand he's not here where is Samuel I'm gonna burn it myself later Samuel comes like what in the world did you do hey offerings a good thing offerings a godly thing but it wasn't God's thing for him No one can take away God's appointment in your life. Only you can forfeit it. And you forfeit it when you don't go after his heart first. There will never be a point in our lives when we stop pursuing his heart. Until I die, until I'm on that deathbed of mine, I want to keep reaching people. I remember my grandpa, when he was dying, my dad would tell me the story that he, before he died, he was talking to the nurse in the Philippines and he led her to Christ and he died. I want to be like him. And I'm not here to discourage you. We're almost done here. I'm not here to discourage you from pursuing what you are individually appointed to, by God to do. That's not what I'm doing. I'm also not saying that you shouldn't focus on the anointing, that you shouldn't go after it. That's not what I'm saying. My goal is to help you focus on the number one God appointment, appointed task for your life. The number one, everything else could fall into place after that. That number one thing is to pursue God's heart, which is towards his lost sheep. After that, everything will fall into place. Everything will fall into place. Let's go real quick. There's a quote from Captain Planet, okay? Without a heart to guide them, the other powers are useless. And I'm like, is this a God moment? Or is this just me thinking, no, God spoke to me through that. He said, they said without a heart to guide them, without heart, the other powers are useless because the heart is what brought them together. This stands true in the kingdom of God. You need God's heart for everything else that you do in order for it to impact this generation. And when I say generation, I say everyone. I'm not just talking about young people. Young, old, in between, whatever. All you need to do is change one life by the pursuit of God's heart, see someone come and get saved, and that causes a kingdom ripple effect in this world. One person could be the next great evangelist. I don't care if it's not me, it could be them. I'm gonna do it. I don't care if I'm not the greatest worship leader, it could be them, I wanna do it. Because it's never about me. Life is never about us. We need to die to ourselves and allow God to take over. And I'll end with this. If you want to be anointed, you need to be appointed by God. But the only way you can be appointed by God is by going after his heart. And his heart is for people, for sheep, for the harvest, it's for the lost. Why don't we stand?
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.